0: mindfulness mode
1: 88 we listen to our gut if something doesn't sound right we move
0: reach new heights of calm focus and happiness on mindfulness mode with me your host bruce langford on mindfulness mode we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm focused and happy Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy along with some other entrepreneurs to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Enjoy the book, Mindful Tribe. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so excited I have Roseanne Lindsay here today. Hey, Roseanne, are you in mindfulness mode? I sure am. That's great. Roseanne Lindsay is a naturopathic doctor, a writer, and an author. And she guides others to come into balance using what she calls body, mind, spirit medicine. Roseanne comes to the healing arts from her own journey to reverse profound hypothyroidism. She did that naturally, and she teaches others how they can be their own healers. Roseanne loves the concept of mindfulness and has her own take on why mindfulness helps people on their road to success. So, Roseanne, tell Mindful Tribe, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Well, okay, for me, mindfulness means a lot of things, but... Primarily, it means coming out of the traffic of the mind and coming into the heart. Because as I've learned through practice, that is where my best answers come from. It's a place of calm and I feel really safe there. Um, it's like floating, like of being in the flow, um, of being free, really. And, and freedom is really important to me as a, as a practitioner, as a mother, as a human being um and in this place of freedom i can see often the big picture and so it's almost like i'm omniscient when i come to this place like from an owl's perspective but it's really not a view per se it's it's more of a feeling and it's a place where i can come into a point of clarity about something that i'm that i'm asking about so we usually go into meditation because we have a question and so When I go to this place of peace, I learn to trust the wisdom of my intuition. I ask the question and then I listen for the answer.
0: I really like that phrase you used uh, when you said the traffic of the mind. Can you expand on that even a little bit more?
1: Well, I think we're always thinking about, you know, what we have to do, what we've done, how we could have done something better. We're either in the past or we're thinking about the future. And um, so coming out of the traffic of the mind is basically coming out of our thought patterns and refocusing on the moment. And how you do that is. You know, you connect to spirit, and I believe that's what any type of meditation, whether it's, um, you know, actually sitting down and and chanting or meditating, or if it's out gardening or it's out being with animals, like one of your guests was talking about horses, and horses and animals are amazing creatures that help ground us, Uh, what we're really trying to do is come to our center, and or our spirit, or what I like to call my inner child, and and really what it is, is coming to a feeling about something. So it's coming out of the mind where we're constantly thinking. And, and it's fine to focus in the mind because what we see are flashes, thoughts coming back and forth. And that's what the mind is there to do. And it's not that we're supposed to ignore that. But it's really about finding a balance between being there and being in our heart space.
0: So I really like what you said, Roseanne, about finding our heart space, about getting that balance. How do we go about achieving that?
1: You know, I think what you do is what you experience from meditation or mindfulness is you come into a feeling and then you're supposed to act on it. So hopefully in mindfulness, we're coming to a feeling of peace or love. And the, the point of this is what if, if you're not Doing anything after you come out of your meditation, if you're not taking that into your reality, if you're not creating something with it, what is the point? So I like to say that we should live it and be it. We should be that that inner child, that, that passion that we have inside of us, which is what we can get close to when we go into meditation or go into nature. Um and I think it's, it's possible for everybody to do that. It's not something that's rocket science. It's something that each of us have the ability to do.
0: Yes, definitely. Live it and be it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes we just don't live it or we, we try, but we just don't implement these things. I'd like to go back to your childhood. And if you would share with us a little bit, Roseanne, about how did you feel back then? What, what was life like for you? Were you a mindful kid, do you think?
1: I'm not sure. Uh, You know, my dad's from India, and he did yoga every morning. And my mom is from Hungary, and she did not do yoga. (laughs) So – and they have this – you know, they couldn't speak their own languages because they didn't communicate that way. So we all learned English. Um, I watched my parents – make it work you know how they melded together they met in new york in the melting pot they uh, came together and they just brought to us our family might have two siblings uh their own um philosophies. We didn't live like other American kids. You know, I, I just felt a lot. I felt really awkward, actually, as a kid that, you know, why did I have to have parents like these <laughs> that they didn't get the American ideals? They didn't. We, we weren't living the American dream. We didn't have a boat. We didn't have a house on the lake. My father saved money. He was a college professor. He taught sociology. My mother stayed home and raised the kids and a lot of mothers did back then. Um, and I just thought, you know, we're not the hip family, but I've come to understand that, you know what, I am so grateful for my upbringing because what they taught us, my mom taught me that health comes through the kitchen and it's, it's making your own food. And my dad grew the, grew the vegetables that we used to eat. Um, they really brought their culture home to America and you know, uh, taught it to their kids. And that's, those are my ideals now. And I'm so happy that I don't have a boat, (laughs) I don't have a lake house, but I do have a garden and I do know how to be healthy and take care of myself.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's a great story. And I'm just curious, you know, each of your your parents, their native language was their own. And so you, you, spoken English does that mean that there was a lot of quiet time in your home maybe more than when there's one fluent language between you
1: I think there was just as many loud activities (laughs) as there were in other homes I mean all of us kids we all spoke English and yelled yelled in English
0: Uh yes (laughs) Um,
1: and we but you know my parents were really great they just let us experience um those interactions I, I don't remember being um having timeouts or, uh, you know, we got into fights, but we basically had to work it out. Um, you know, we did get spanked once in a while, and but that didn't last very long. I think they were also trying to understand how to be parents, and we were all learning together how to live in this country, yes. <laughs> um, in this family, and it just... We all, we're all very close to this day. So I know that whatever they did worked because I try to raise my kids with the ideals and the principles that they taught me. Um, they're still together. My dad's 93 and my mom is 79. So they're far apart in age, but they, if they can prove that, you know, almost different age groups can come together and, and make it work. Um, I think world leaders have no, um, you know, excuses.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Well, those vegetables really paid off, didn't they? Your your parents have lived very, very healthy long lives, it sounds like, so far, and they're still going strong. Yes,
1: and my dad, one of the reasons uh, that I'm a natural doctor, you know, I, I use nature to heal because... Our bodies are built for that. Our bodies are built to reverse disease naturally if given the right tools, which are tools that uh, our blood and our body, our cells recognize. And they're not synthetic drugs. And my dad has refused that most of his life. And I I believe that's the reason he is the age he is today.
0: So did you have any struggles at all on your way to becoming a naturopathic doctor?
1: Well, I could say that I am grateful for the struggle that I did have, and yes, the answer is yes I did um i don't think I would have been a natural naturopathic doctor had I not had this struggle. Um, I was diagnosed in two thousand and nine with profound hypothyroidism, and for me, that was a shock because, like I said, I was raised pretty you know organically as far as um eating your own food and making sure I didn't take anything but an aspirin when I was little. Um, And I had ironically been prophylactically treating myself to prevent this diagnosis. Because all of my friends around me, I was about 40, 44, between 40 and 44. All of my friends around me were being diagnosed one by one with hypothyroidism. And being, I was at home with the kids raising them and I thought, I am not going, this disease is not going to have me. I'm not going to be this label. So I started prophylactically taking iodine. Um, and then here I was four years later diagnosed with the most profound, acute, severe form of the disease. Mm. So I, um, I, it was kind of a slap upside the head for me to wake up and see that there's something deeper here. Um, you're, you're not, you know, what I came to understand later was I wasn't living my truth. And I think all of these challenges that we face in life are opportunities or gifts for us to really pay attention to our own life. What was I doing? I was a stay at home mom with three young kids thinking, I mean, this is what I chose to do. I chose to come out of the workforce. I had been an environmental scientist. And I really wanted to give my kids what my mom gave me. And but at the same time, I, I had these kids and these people and these activities all around me, I really felt empty and alone and I wasn't admitting that to myself. Um, And so this offered me an opportunity to journey within myself. And this is actually when I started meditating. Um, I had kind of asked for guidance for the first time in my life thinking I was very independent. I, you know, until I became married and I said, I, I need help. You know, I just asked the universe for help and, what happened was I got an answer almost immediately. I was, it was kind of a spiritual shift, and that's the profound thing about these questions that you ask of yourself. You can't, you can't get an answer like this from asking somebody else. Yeah. And so, what happened was um, I had an experience that some call a kundalini awakening. Mm-hmm. So some describe it as ecstasy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I'd say it was ecstasy on a roller coaster you become wave a wave you become wave-like i recently felt like this again i really uh, recently when i was waking up one morning I, i felt this wave experience again and this is years later and i did not want it to leave you know it's this amazing out of the body in the body experience it's like you feel your whole self and and this time I was alone, of course. So those of you out there who might picture something else, that's your fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a surge of energy. It's pulsing through me. And that's what I experienced uh, six or seven years ago. It, it actually lasted for 21 days. I, I ended up counting them. And I didn't quite know what to make of it. I asked my sister, what is what is going on? And I... You know, I feel like I'm on a high all the time. And then and she says, well, why don't you start meditating to balance the energy? So I, I said, oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. and, and I have continued on that practice to this day. But it doesn't quite look the same as it used to look.
0: So, Roseanne, tell us what your meditation looks like today. Was it hard for you at first?
1: I, I did struggle with meditation at the beginning because, you know, if you try to, Base it on what somebody else wrote in a book, or describe it in a video. You can get you can get frustrated um, because if you if you think you want to calm the mind um, or quiet the mind, and you're focused on the mind, and you're all these thoughts are going to keep coming through. That's what the mind is there for. But I think that. Like any challenge, this whole frustration with beginning meditation was a good experience because that frustration of waiting for something to happen and working through that and questioning it, that causes the breakthrough. And it's important to go through periods of confusion to push yourself kind of or allow things to happen so that you do break through.
0: Right. 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 Well, this ecstasy on a roller coaster, I mean, that's a a terrific way to describe it. I really like that. But did it just come on suddenly or did it seem like a gradual thing that happened to you?
1: Um, To me, it seemed like it came on suddenly. I mean, realistically, it had probably been in the works for many years, maybe 10 years if I look back, because at one point – that whole part of my journey was to try to show me my life and where I was and if I was going in the right direction. And what I realized was that, um, I was not able to communicate not only to myself, but to the people around me, what I really needed. And so it ended up ending my marriage. That's another reason why meditation became so important to me because I needed to help. I needed help with how to do that. And I had three young kids, so how do I make it easy for everybody? Because this was something I really felt like my body was needing. Um, it was a wake up call. It was show- my body was showing me what I needed to do because the thyroid sits in the house of the fifth chakra. It's an energy center, and we're we're made up of energy before we're physical. We're we're both, but. Um, The fifth chakra is your center of communication, your ability to speak your truth. And I was not doing that. And when I started doing that and asking for things and being um, kind of resisted, I knew I had a choice to make in my marriage, too. And um, at one point, it just became – The obvious choice was to move out of my marriage, move on a a new path. And that's the direction I was going. And as soon as I started doing that, as soon as I took that leap of faith, which I believe everybody has to face in any challenge, um, my condition started to reverse. So I credit meditation for helping me come to that answer because it was through that going within and finding my own answer to this question that um, propelled me on my path and helped me understand that I am a healer and I I was married to a doctor. Actually, I was married to a medical doctor, (laughs) um, but it wasn't my choice of medicine. And so I think he actually was a gift to me. He taught me to see myself he was a reflection of me at the time and what, um, where I was and where I really needed to go.
0: Very interesting. So you started to heal once you made that move. That's right, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, that was the beginning. But I believe that the life journey is the healing journey. So we're always healing. We're always on a path of healing. And um, that was what came up at that time. It, I had probably neglected that portion of myself since I had become married and I had been married for 21 years but really I think I stopped speaking my truth 10 years into the marriage and it's it caught up with me
0: well so when you say speaking your truth do you mean speaking your truth to yourself being honest to yourself or is it more being honest within the marriage and with your partner
1: I think it was to myself right definitely yeah Yeah, you're right. You're very intuitive about that. And a lot of people would always say to me, you know, how does that work between you two? You know, you're a natural person. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I said it works just fine. We support each other, you know, and I really believed it. But um, I don't think I was supporting myself enough. I was trying to make the image of the marriage work and not what was really underlying it so you know we all have to face those uh questions are, are we really when we're telling people things are we telling lies are we telling lies to ourselves because um, we can tell a lie to somebody else but it's not going to hurt them really i mean it could eventually if it's a big lie but um like government has a lot of big lies that are hurting a lot of people i'm not discounting that but it all again starts within each of us and if we're we're not being truthful to ourselves we're not we're not um evolving we're not here to do what we're here to do which is like i would i'm here to help other people understand that we're our own healers and i if i was still back in that state um i wouldn't be doing that and actually i would probably not be around because profound hypothyroidism is basically the last diagnosis before coma and death
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, Really? oh i didn't know that that's really really serious
1: it is. It's the, the heart isn't impacted at that point. Your thyroid stops making hor- thyroid hormone completely, and the thyroid is uh, is the gland that is in charge of you know meta- metab- metabolic rate met- met- metabolism for the whole body.
0: Right.
1: Couldn't spit that word out, but
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um,
1: and without your metabolism, without your cell, you know cells respiring and oxygenating and doing all the things that cells do, you're not going to be on this earth for very long.
0: So I'd like to talk about the form that your meditation took. Describe your meditation that helped you through this.
1: At the time, I was using music um, and focusing on my breath, uh, and I learned this technique through kundalini yoga practice that i had been doing um weekly at that time and basically um it was through kundalini yoga practice that really helped my meditation practice evolve in fact yoga has really become my meditation practice now um since i don't like to sit still i like to move <laughs> mm-hmm. i grew up as a, as a dancer and so i try to do that practice twice a week with a in a class with a teacher and teach uh, the classes my motivation um, kundalini yoga is a meditative yoga it's the known as in india as the king of yogas and it dates back about seven thousand years or more um, it actually means awareness and i love it because it combines breath work you're doing either long deep breathing or you're doing short spurts of um, breath called breath of fire um, you're doing body work. You're also doing mantra, which are words or chants, and you're doing mudras, which are hand positions. And so you're putting that all together for a full body-mind experience.
0: So what is the single most important change you made in order to heal yourself from this condition?
1: You know, that's a big question because I'm I'm having to look at body-mind-spirit in that in that answer. And I think what it comes down to is choice. Um, we all have the freedom to choose. We today are made up of all the choices that came before this moment. And it that's pretty profound to think of that, that you have the ability to create your life. You, your choice means that health is your responsibility. It's not somebody else's responsibility. You can get advice from other people, doctors, um, Naturopaths, chiropractors, energy healers, but really, when it comes down to it, you have to choose what's best for you. And so, I would say that's the the primordial factor. If, the, if there's a word, there's the, the quintessential factor in anybody's healing because we're all unique. We all bring our unique gifts with us, and we can't we can only go from what our soul our soul journey wants to take us. We can, we can only take what our soul wants to show us. Um, and so going within and, and making that choice for yourself is, is, the, uh, is the
0: answer. Roseanne, I agree with this. We do have to identify what our soul is showing us. Roseanne, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I've found that mindfulness can really help with people who are being bullied or dealing with these situations. Do you have a story you can share with us on this topic?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I can, (laughs) looking back to my own uh, diagnosis, um, I was told my, my my. by my doctor that I would have to begin taking a drug called Synthroid every day to take it for the rest of my life. And that didn't sit well with me. I questioned that wisdom because I already knew based on the research and everything I told you that um, I could reverse this condition actually. Um, and I knew I wanted to do that. I knew I just needed him to tell me what was wrong, and um, I wanted help from him in doing extra tests. I asked him to do a ferritin test, which would show me what my iron stores were, because a regular iron test does not show you that. Um, and I wanted antibody testing to see if, that I was, uh, if I was creating antibodies against myself, if I was autoimmune thyroid. Um, and he said he wouldn't do it. He just said, no, I'm not doing it. And when I asked why, he said that knowing that information was not going to change how he would treat me. And to me, he put up a wall between us. We were supposed to be working together. I would even signed a contract with him, which I thought was really uh, forward thinking on his part because most doctors don't have you. You know, here, sign this contract that we're partners in your health. Right. But I did. I signed this contract, and here he was telling me he wasn't going to work with me. So I did the only thing I could do that my gut was telling me. And I believe that my mindfulness was kicking in at this point because I fired him. And I don't like conflict. I don't like to push. And I knew that I would be creating more conflict within myself to stay with him. So what I did was I worked, went outside the system. I found – an alternative doctor a functional medicine doc who did the tests that i wanted and with that information i began changing uh my diet and i made the necessary supplement changes that i needed to make um i found out that you know the the iodine i was taking wasn't getting to my cells where it needs to be each cell has a receptor for iodine and it wasn't coming through those receptors because i wasn't taking co-nutrients that i needed my functional medicine doctor helped me see that and um but after I figured that out, I wanted to keep. I, I wanted to keep being followed by medical testing. So she had me go back. She worked with a doctor in that practice that I had come from, and I actually went back to the partner of my previous MD, and I worked with him. and He, he was a perfect partner. He he did all the testing I wanted. He said, "You know, I believe in you. I believe what you're saying, and I know you can reverse it. I'll be happy to do whatever you want." And that was huge, a huge affirmation to me that I knew I'd made the right choice to say no to the first doctor, to go outside the system. And then, in, you know, I credit the universe for bringing me back to the system, the same practice with a doctor who, who resonated with me. And, he, you know, he said, what do, what do you want at the end? I know you're going to reverse this. What do, you want to, what do you want me to do? And I said, I just want... Um, periodic testing at the end of this, when, I, when you tell me that my levels are normal under your categories, um, I just want a hug. And so that is exactly what happened. So this is how we create our reality. We don't settle. If something, we listen to our gut. If something doesn't sound right, we move. We move away from that to something that resonates. And we're always going to come back to our path.
0: Roseanne, that's a great lesson. So Mindful Tribe, I hope you've really tuned into that lesson that Roseanne has shared with us all here, that we do have to adjust our path and we do have to monitor and make changes and just move and go with the flow. So this is really excellent the way you've put this. Roseanne, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I would
1: say Kelly Howell is somebody uh, who does some uh, meditative CDs. And that's who I started with when I first started practicing. Anybody can look her up. She, You can access her through public libraries um, and get her CDs. She does um, both instrumental and guided meditation. And for me, when I was having trouble focusing because I was thinking too hard mm-hmm. to me- in my meditation, her guided meditation, her voice – and then later, just the instruments really helped my, my me focus away from that traffic of the mind.
0: How has mindfulness affected your own emotions?
1: I've been really able to adjust my emotions um, as far as just letting go and and being able to receive instead of always trying to push. And, and if I feel like I'm getting worked up about something, that means I'm pushing. And that means I'm not going to get what i want it means i'm pushing something away i really need to sit back take a deep breath uh, and allow it to come to me
0: that takes us right into our next question tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice
1: yes breathing is so important in yoga it's called pranayama and it not only nourishes the, the cells by oxygenating them it opens up like i said the connection between your pineal and pituitary glands to connect you to your higher self and that breath is life so oxygen is is in water is in air it's it's in our bodies it's it allows our bodies to live if we stop oxygenating we start dying so really the more you can breathe deeply in your day and clear out that stagnant air at the bottom base of your lungs push that out five deep breaths in the morning is a really good way to start your morning it it um, offers you a a fresh start for the day i would really recommend that
0: and so what would you suggest as a book on the topic of mindfulness
1: i really like bruce lipton Um, he in biology of belief he talks about how we create our realities a lot of what i talked about earlier with belief systems he really brings it to the core and he reflects how it starts at our cell level and it goes all the way up through our spiritual level so i would really recommend how to understand it rather than how to do it as a technique there are many books on technique about mindfulness but that i think has to come from within you have to develop your own technique for mindfulness but to understand the concept of who creates That, you know, Bruce Lipton does a great job. I would also recommend um, Robert Moss. He does a book on dreaming. He does many books on dreaming. And we can get a lot of information through our dreams. He says active dreaming is magic. And he talks about if you forget information as you wake up from your dreams, you can actually actively go back into the dream to retrieve that information because it's what we – Bring to our life and what we act on that creates our reality.
0: And what's the name of the specific book by Robert Moss?
1: Um, the book that I'm reading that he talks a little bit about that is Dreaming True. Also, one of my favorites is a book on the power of synchronicities called The Three Only Things. But he, like I said, look at all of his titles because some of them are more um, on on technique rather than. Uh, than philosophy
0: okay and can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful
1: you know i don't really use apps that much i'm kind of a uh i don't know an archaic person when it comes to phones and computers um i would recommend again meditation cds and kelly howell is a a really good way to start um before you go into quiet meditation is to be able to just use somebody's voice to help guide you to focus on something that you want to work on. And Kelly Howell has many, many CDs.
0: What advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their own life?
1: I would suggest maybe trying to connect to nature a bit. Um, If you're not one to go outdoors very much, to really try to break away from being plugged in all the time, Um, and nature has a great way. It's a great way to do that. Kids naturally gravitate there, but adults can benefit too. (laughs) So, just a walk in nature, gardening is a great way. Uh, Sleeping outdoors when it's warm is really grounding. I mean, there people are selling grounding mats that you plug into your wall inside as healing mats well you don't have to spend a thousand twelve hundred dollars on one of these mats when you can go what what it's doing is it's grounding you to the earth basically so you just have to go outside it's cheap and easy um rent a get a tent pup tent and spend some time outside the more you, time you spend outside, the more you start, your rhythm starts to change. You start resetting your rhythm, and which is what meditation is great at doing. Reset your body rhythm. Um, so I would really recommend that.
0: Good advice. Roseanne, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And really, <laughs> I've learned so much from uh-huh. everything that you've said. So thank you so much for sharing everything with Mindful Tribe today. How can we learn more about what you do and how can we connect with you?
1: Well, thank you so much, Bruce. You're so sweet to say that. Uh, My website is natureofhealing.org. And my book, if they want to learn more about, you know, what my philosophy on healing is, how we all heal ourselves, is called The Nature of Healing, Heal the Body, Heal the Planet. You can get that on Amazon.
0: I will put that right into our show notes. Just type in Roseanne spelled R-O-S-A-N-N-E. And then Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And this episode will come right up to the top. And Roseanne, have a mindful day. Great to talk with you today.
1: Thanks, Bruce. Create a great day for yourself.
0: I will. Bye now.